Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 257 and this episode sees the return of Jared Robert Smith, the head of performance at Luton Town. It was a long time ago since our last episode. It was back in March 2020, episode 72. And at that time, Jared was in a role at Stoke City. Um, but since then, he has moved back to Luton Town where he was before. And obviously, they've then gone on to great success, getting promoted to the Premier League. So it was great to have him on. Obviously, he comes a few weeks after the podcast with James Redden as well. So it was good to dive into the Luton and where the success has come from, the factors that have led to it. So we, we spoke a lot around the differences between the leagues, especially from Championship to Premier League, the match demands, how that impacts training and also the preparation that goes into the seasons for the different leagues. We also then spoke about the playing personnel, how that has changed. There's more of foreign influence in the cha- in the changing rooms now and also how the culture has had to change or develop over that time as well because the culture is obviously something that's very strong at the club and it was good to dive into that and to see how the changes and the, the step up to Premier League had impacted that culture, if it had at all. So plenty covered in this episode. And I think there's a hell of a lot when we speak about culture and these actions, these daily actions that, that underline a culture at a club. There's a lot between the episode that James did and also this episode with Jared that you could probably think about in your setting as well. So I'd probably get a pen and paper ready, get ready to make some notes and and take some little pointers um, of things that you could apply to your environment from this episode as well. Just before we jump into the episode, I just want to give a heads up to our next networking event, which is at Shrewsbury Town on Wednesday the 27th of September from 6 till 9pm. We've got two speakers for the evening. There's Ben Sutcliffe, recently on the podcast, first team spot scientist at Shrewsbury and also national fitness coach at FA Wales. He's going to be presenting alongside Chris Skitt, who's the head of medical performance at Shrewsbury Town as well. So a great lineup of speakers. We've already got coaches booked onto the event from Wolves, from Birmingham City Ladies, um, Wrexham as well. So we hope that there's going to be a lot of different clubs represented at that event. So if you can get to the event, go to footballfitfed.com, click the shop tab, then networking events, and you'll be able to purchase your tickets there. I also just wanted to highlight an event coming up very soon. So I'm very fortunate to have been asked to uh, chair a roundtable discussion at the upcoming Training Ground Guru Conference in Manchester, which is at the Hilton Hotel Deansgate in Manchester on October the 9th and 10th. So that's the Tuesday and the Wednesday, the Monday and the Tuesday even. And I'm going to be hosting a discussion between Tony Strudwick, Dave Carolan, and also Tom Little around the modern day athlete and how we think the game is going to develop over the next few years and what considerations need to be made in terms of preparing players for the demands of the game over the next few years as well. So really excited to sit down with the guys and get their thoughts on that. I know there's tickets still available, so head to go and check out Training Training Ground Guru. You can go to the website or you can head over onto their socials and you'll be able to get all the information from there. And if you are at the event, 
come and say hello. I'd love to speak to as many people as possible. I know there's plenty of people that have mentioned to me that they're going already. So it's going to be a great chance to network and catch up with loads of faces. I'm hoping to be there on both days as well. Our chat is towards the end of the second day uh, on the Tuesday, but I'm hoping to be there the Monday and the Tuesday. So I will be there to catch up with plenty of people and listen to some of the amazing people that are going to be presenting at that conference. Just before we dive into the episode, I just want to say a massive thank you to our sponsors, The Good Prep. The Good Prep is a meal prep delivery service that provides fresh, ready-to-eat, chef-cooked meals straight to your door. They offer meal plans tailored to your personal goals, current activity level and schedule. The Good Prep works closely with elite-level athletes and corporates to develop meal solutions that meet the ever-changing demands of performance and training. Their clients include Brighton & Hove Albion, the PGMOL, Commonwealth Teams, Gymshark and many more. Their meals are full of all the nutrients you need to keep you in peak performance so you can achieve every goal you set. Plus you can reclaim your time, eat better, move more and reduce food waste too. Their meal plans are designed to guide you through your journey to a healthier you. Take the guesswork out of healthy eating and discover the power of nutrition at thegoodprep.com and make sure you use the code FFF15 for 15% off your first order. Also, a huge thank you to Hytro. Have you ever tried blood flow restriction training for pro sport team and and athletes? Hytro is the only performance BFR brand to create pressure-validated BFR wearables that are practical, safe, and scalable, allowing you to enhance recovery and maximize athletic potential like never before. Whether in the changing room post-game, during away game travel, in the hotel, or at home, Hytro has created a simple and effective tool that allows BFR to be delivered to athletes and squads simultaneously and safely. Check them out at hytro.com or you can email teamsales at hytro.com to find out how Hytro BFR can give your squad a competitive edge. Also, make sure to go and check out the brilliant work being done by Rezzle in the world of VR. Search Rezzle over on socials, R-E-Z-Z-I-L, and check them out. Give them a follow. Show them some love and support. And let's get into episode 257 with Jared Robert-Smith. Rezzle is the world's number one virtual reality sports trainer. Whatever your team, your sport, your ability, improve your game and train like a pro. Reactions, performance, accuracy, stamina, resilience. Train at home in the Rezzle Sports and Fitness VR Training Arena. Search Rezzle, R-E-Z-Z-I-L. The world's number one virtual reality sports trainer. Available now on MetaQuest. Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 257. I'm delighted to welcome back onto the podcast today. It's been far too long. Jared Robert-Smith, how are we doing? Yeah, really good. Thanks, mate. Thanks for uh, having me back on. It's a pleasure. Yeah, like I said, it's been far, far too long. So it's been great to have a, a short catch-up with you just before we hit record. But I want to dive into some of the topics that we've got lined up for today but Jared you're now head of performance at Luton Town so first of all congratulations I know it's a little bit delayed on the promotion up to Premier League thank you no it was it's been a it's been a real well in the last few months um starting back in May when we got promoted as unbelievable day and time for the football club and everyone involved was it was a lot of hard work coming to fruition and um yeah it was great memories that probably look back on forever and um be hard to sort of replicate and then yeah it's been all 
all uh, everything focused on on the step up to the Premier League. So it's been uh, it's been a busy um, period, but it's something that um, where we wanted to be and and something to enjoy and and take on board. Yeah, definitely. We're going to get into that in a little bit and in, in around the Premier League and the demands of the schedule and the league and everything like that. But the last podcast we did, we, we neither of us could believe it. It was way back pre-COVID, March 2020. So if anyone's not listened to that, they can go back and listen to episode 72. Um, but we're going to treat it as though we've never done one because I want you to give us a little bit of background on yourself and what sort of led you up to your role at Luton as well. Yeah, Um so like I said in the first one, um, for those that didn't listen, started for me way back in sort of 2011, straight out of um, my undergrad into um, an internship at Charlton Athletic with uh, Lawrence Bloom, um, who was head of sports science there. And yeah, um, five, five and a half, six really successful years there. Um, my intern year, we won... Um, League One and that was yeah I'd sort of gone from contemplating what I was going to do um, after university to then full, fast forward in 12 months and um, getting promoted and going to Vegas with with Charlton which was <laughs> a experience um, and, and yeah worked my way up ahead uh, of academy um, and then back up to head of sports science once Lawrence had departed so yeah, look 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 back on that period really fondly and learnt so much and um sort of helped mould me into what I am today um through that foundational period. Um and then yeah, went to Luton in twenty sixteen. Uh, did two and a half years there. Um, got promoted out of League Two. Uh, again, really successful time for for the football club for myself. Um, really enjoyed it and was was a great time. And then got the opportunity to go on to Stoke, uh, where I think. Uh, we were when when we were recorded the first um podcast uh not so much of a successful time and um a lot of soul searching and contemplating um my job and and everything that goes with that um but yeah learned so much in that period probably more than I'd done um in a in the previous eight years probably learned more in in that 18 months where it wasn't so um fruitful uh I and mean, it was really good uh tool for reflection and um sort of critique of my practice and um my profession um so yeah not not uh, particularly enjoyable learning but um as i always say it's you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable at times and that's sort of the job and and the nature of the beast a little bit then got the opportunity to go out to australia um through for a friend that was out there um went out to melbourne uh for a year with a uh, melbourne victory which was very different um from a professional side of things um was a bit of an eye opener it was sort of probably the third or fourth twist sport out there behind rugby league and afl and cricket so there's a lot of um it was a lot different in terms of resources and infrastructure and it probably challenged me a little bit more in that sense, where obviously football here is, is quite well backed and um, there's a lot of, of, of good stuff that goes on with regards to resources and infrastructure um, in football and sports science. So, yeah, there was challenges that came with that and again, tested me as a practitioner and um, a person. And then, yeah, got the opportunity to come back to Luton, um, sort of grabbed that with both hands. I had a, I had a really 
enjoyable life experience in in Australia, but um, the opportunity to come back to the championship and um, to Luton itself was one that I felt I couldn't really turn down. And then, yeah, two two unbelievable years to be honest with with Luton, um, two playoff campaigns, and then obviously the one the last one was successful when we got promoted to the Premier League, which, like I said, was uh, the culmination of a lot of hard work. But yeah, something that is sort of unexplainable in terms of the emotions and the feelings that it brought and yeah uh, to 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 win a playoff campaign is is unbelievable so and then yeah we uh, find find ourselves in the premier league and personally a nice promotion over the summer um to to back up that that club one um one that I'm really grateful to to the manager at the football club and and the board and one that um, has been real good development for me over the last couple of months over the summer and and leading into the season and now, yeah, doing doing the business in the Premier League. So it's it's been um it's been a good few years. Brilliant. We're going to dive into that just in a second. I just want to take you back and tell me if you don't want to discuss this because I'm I'm happy to move on. But that time at Stoke, you said about a lot of reflections on your own practice. What I'm interested in for for people listening as well, when they've maybe been in a role where things haven't gone to plan, they've not gone quite in the direction that they thought. What was, if there was one thing you had to highlight that you've now taken forward, obviously returning back to Luton, being in this position, experiencing some success and now being in the Premier League, is the one thing that you sort of take forward on a daily basis where you're like, that was my big lesson and now this comes with me on a daily basis? Yeah, I think it's probably uh, two-pronged in terms of, I think having resilience in what you do um, and really believing in your in your process and your structures. Um, there's things that come with that that are challenging. Um, people questioning what you do, whether that's um, hierarchy or or players, because things around it aren't aren't particularly going um, amazing in terms of results or things on the pitch. But um, if you're well versed in what you do and you believe in it, as as much as I do in terms of my practice and my philosophy, I think you have to be resilient and be robust and um, keep keep obviously adapt and evolve to the situation that you're in, but stay strong to your beliefs and your processes. Um, because like I say, I, I like to think I'm not doing too much different at Luton now or over the last couple of years as to what I was doing at Stoke in, in my role. Um, I think it, it's, a little bit more bespoke to to the group or the staff or the club that you're working for, but I think the the main premise of of my practice at least is has been quite similar. And when things aren't going so well, I think questions get asked and you ask questions of yourself. But at the end of the day, if you believe in it and you like I say, you're well versed in it, um, I think you have to stick to it and. And really be diligent with it, and and keep keep doing what you're doing, and have answers for the questions that that get asked, and and be um be determined in it, and and really drive it with what you believe in. Um, because I think if you go away from that, you're you're not you're not the person or the practitioner that you are, and you you might open yourself up a little bit. So I had moments where I questioned what I was doing, and is it right? But ultimately, I stuck to it, and I I like to think that. So, for example, when we came back from from lockdown, I think we were one one of the fitter teams in the league, and hopefully that helped cement our status in the in the division at the time. So, um, yeah, and, and 
and I think the other side of it is to enjoy the good times because um, sometimes in football and, and life, not everything's rosy and um, it can be challenging. So when you have the luxury and the, the highs that come with that, um, enjoy it, take it on board. Um, like I say, the, the moments that we were gifted with in May in terms of being successful in Wembley and, and everything that came with that, I'll, I'll never forget and I'll never take that for granted. And, I'm sure there'll be some down periods moving forward, but you have to remember the good times and believe that um, the bad times won't last and that you can um, you can push through those and remain a strong practitioner and, and um, come out on top. And um, yeah, they'll probably be the two things that I took away from that. Yeah, it's a, it's a great point. Something really important. I think a, a lot of that speaking to people as well comes from experience, doesn't it? Like you have to go through that to, I'm talking about like the confidence behind you sticking up for the way of working, your philosophy, because we've talked a lot about coaches reflecting on the practice and questioning things, which I think is a good thing as well, isn't it? But then there's a fine line between questioning things and changing things all the time and actually having confidence behind what you're doing and a, and a rationale. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think a lot of the times it, were, it, it might not have been other people questioning, it was me questioning myself and... Um, sort of my own voice in my own head and do I stay strong with this? Do I keep going? Like, am I opening people up? Am, am I risking things? Can I go safe or should I keep pushing? Um, but ultimately, I had to look myself in the mirror and, and believe in what I was doing and, and, like I say, stay strong with it and, and be robust and um, come out the other side of it. And I'd like to think I have in terms of what I've done as a practitioner. And like you say, I think I learned so much in that period and um, – I'm definitely better for those tough times. Um, and I think it, it um, like I say, the, the, the good times are, are maybe quite easy um, and you can get through it. And it's when you go through a rough period or a tough time that you your resolve is tested and you see how much you actually want it and how much you're willing to push through and, and, and drive it. And um, yeah, like I say, not particularly comfortable and it's not particularly... Um, enjoyable at the time but when you come out the other side of it you, you're a, you're a better person and practitioner for it probably so um yeah there's there are probably some big things I learned from that period yeah brilliant I want to get into it now so this progression through the leagues like you mentioned before about where Luton were at initially when you were at the club and then also when you returned and then kicking onto the Prem now this progression obviously comes in a big change of demands on the players and also then the approach that you're going to be taking with players. So can you give a bit of a breakdown in terms of, especially this jump from Championship to Premier League, like we, you've done most recently, in terms of you get through the off-season time, you've got all your party and you're celebrating out the way, then it's reflecting on, right, we've got Premier League season to prepare for. Where did your mind go in terms of changes to be made, the information that you needed regarding the Premier League? Take us through that initially. Yeah, I think um, I think like you say, start with the off season because I think that's such a foundational period of the season. Um, and not that I was surprised, but I was really pleased with um, probably the best uptake I've ever seen of off season programs from the group of lads and the players. And I think from speaking with those guys, they obviously see the opportunity we ha that we have um, to to be at this level and play at this level. And I didn't think. Um, yeah, that um, people would take it for granted by any sense. But it was literally 
probably a week after that the lads are uh, firing into me and um saying like can I do this and can I do that and normally I I program like probably two weeks of like um recovery especially with like after a playoff campaign like we've pushed from uh July June, end of June the previous year all the way through to the end of May so it's it's coming up to sort of a 12 month program cycle um so I sort of gapped out and planned out two weeks for the lads to recover and regenerate and and all the stuff that goes along with that and literally four or five days after we finished at Wembley lads were on to me in terms of can we do this we need to do this we need to push harder um so I think from the off um the lads have been so diligent with with what we're doing and how we're doing it and that's a credit to the group and and Luton as as a football club because the kind of personnel that they recruit and the type of lads that we've got in in the building is is uh, second to none and the best I've ever worked with by country mile. So I think that's that's an important aspect to touch on. And then I think we came into pre-season knowing that we probably had to do more. Um, but the base that the lads had put in throughout the off-season and then the additions that we recruited over the summer um, and the physicality and athletic prowess we had within the squad, we probably knew we could push harder anyway. Um We've tended to do that year on year at Luton, um, review what we've done in previous pre-seasons and across that season and then aim to push that benchmark a little bit higher every year. Um, and then even coming into the season now, it's been um, it's been even more because uh, being in a Premier League, we just have access to so much more objective data than we've ever had Um we have second spectrum, we have sport light, we have our own GPS metrics, um, but there's just so much information out there. There's so many integrations and um, programs relative to sort of uh, match outputs that um, you can see what other teams are doing. You can benchmark it against what you're doing on a match day and then sort of push on from there. And like, like a lot of people do, everything that we do throughout the week is related to to match load so when your your match outputs are higher your training outputs are going to be higher to sort of bridge that gap and and build that sort of relative chronic loading throughout a week so um yeah i think it's been a learning curve for everyone i think the, the sports science guys the strength and conditioning guys within our department um the coaching staff um the, the playing group everyone um has seen the the physicality the premier league has to offer and um, I'd like to think that we've we sort of levelled up with it. Um, I think from the games that we've played so far, we've we seem to have been in a good physical state, and um, yeah, we we're we're hungry for it. Um, we want to keep pushing and want to keep being better. And we we are, I think from a physical point of view, we almost see that as um, probably one of the most controllable aspects of our performance, and um, we know how fit we can be um and need to be to to sort of thrive at this level and yeah um we've we've shown a real diligence in in pushing the group on um safely and progressively uh, throughout this initial part of the season and and we'll continue to do that um to make sure that we're the best version of ourselves that we can be um moving forward into the season no definitely yeah, it's it, just reflecting on when you said about the off season it was making me laugh I was thinking it's it's amazing what a uh, uh, a game, live game on Sky Sports against Chelsea does for, for a bit of motivation to get yeah, on that no, exactly. landed, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think I think that that side of it going going and testing ourselves against the the so called big boys and um, 
seeing how we can like sort of square up to them as the lads knew that if if they didn't do the right things across the summer then there's a potential to get exposed because everyone's watching it's it's where everyone wants to be and um yeah like I said we're hungry and and that's what we've always been at Luton since the minute I walked through the door and in 2016 the vision's been to to push on the the, the club and the board have always had that um in mind and that, that's been um drilled into us as a, as a coaching staff and and the the managers that we've had have been really um progressive and and want to drive things further and that's echoed by the coaching staff and the people that we recruit and have brought into the playing staff as well so it's um we 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 know what we want to do this year and we want to test ourselves against the best and um yeah it's good. we know it's going to be difficult but we're here by merit from from getting promoted from the championship and we're really hungry to to stay at this level and hopefully thrive over the forthcoming years. Yeah, definitely. Just to take you back to that sort of analysis of what you're going into in the Premier League, was there anything that stood out for you in terms of data or anything that you wanted to know specifically that was going to inform your practice or has informed your practice since actually starting in that league? I think it's it's stuff that's relatively straightforward. Um, I don't think there's been any big shocks. I just think the level is... Um, it's just so much more complete than than any any level that I've I've worked at prior, and um, the 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 players within the division are so athletic, they're so sharp. Um, I think maybe in those in those lower levels, you maybe get um, like maybe some really good technicians that maybe um, lack the physical side, or you might get some real physical specimens that lack maybe the technical aspects or the tactical aspects, um, maybe some that have been at that level and then are coming down and there's flaws physically. Um, but at this level, everyone's just complete and um, they're so sharp, they're so quick, uh, they're potent from from a physical point of view. And then um, they're just you have to concentrate for 100 minutes, 105 minutes, and the minute that you switch off, um, from a from a mental point of view or a, a tactical point of view, and you let a runner go, or you switch off on a cross, or whatever that may be, um, you, the 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 rate of getting punished is just so much higher than um, than in in the football league, and yeah, it's it's been uh, yeah eye opening from that side of things. Um, but if you watch if you watch the the level regularly and consistently, you know. You know what you're up against, and um, you know the 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 lads at the in the sort of top six are at the peak, and then um, it filters down as you go through the leagues. But it's uh, the the teams, but it's uh yeah, it's been it's been enjoyable to to work at and and test ourselves against the best, and uh, maybe we haven't got the points or um, the outcomes that the performances have reflected, but we feel we're getting better week on week, and um, can hopefully across the the next sort of period showcase what we can do and keep improving and keep driving things like we all always have done at Luton and get some uh, some positive results and some positive outcomes as as we move forward. Yeah, definitely, mate. I mean, as we record this as well, we know we are only a very small portion into the season, so I understand that as well. Um, what I'm really interested in is your approach preparing the players for the previous season. So going into that championship season, obviously there's an intention from you and the club 
where you've had previous seasons of getting into the playoffs, long seasons again, like you just mentioned. So obviously that I'm guessing there was an intention of something similar. The difference to that, to going into this Premier League season where I know there's a lot of still a lot of games um involved, but there's essentially there should be less games throughout the whole season. So even though the intensity is going to be Premier League level now. Was there a big difference from you and, and your programme and the way that you approached it from like a long season championship, trying to get into that playoff, be successful to Premier League? Um, I, again, I, I probably wouldn't say um, like there was any standout um, points or objectives to the to the planning. Um, I think like you say, they're two, they're two different seasons and even like going back on last year, it was it was crazy because um, you had the World Cup break in the middle. Um, You're coming off the back of like a like you say a another ridiculous season in terms of um, there was there was still COVID knocking about in that previous season. I think that we had like three or four games um, called off in that season uh, in the Christmas period of that season, and then that knocked on into um what would it have been 2022 season um or, or 22 calendar year and we ended up playing i think there were 15 weeks post christmas and we ended up playing 12 weeks of midweekers um we had two weeks off and it was it was mad and it uh, unfortunately eventually probably caught up with us a little bit going into the playoff campaign um where we had some injuries and probably weren't at our strongest um so i think it was more things like that just being a little bit mindful of of um, recovery and then utilising that period that we had um, in the World Cup break to we were fortunate enough to be able to go to Dubai um, and we had a really great, probably the best trip I've ever had um, in terms of work and then a balance of, of rest and togetherness. Um, and then we, were, we came back and we were able to be really strong in that second half of the season. Um, even things like there was... There's a managerial change in that period, and, and yeah, pretty much anything that could have got thrown at us that year did. Um, but in terms of programming, I wouldn't say that there was anything standout. Um, we always try and um, prepare our lads for sort of peak demands, so three game weeks. Um, but it's probably very similar to things that other do, other teams do. We we push, we push. We're not. Um, we're not safe with what we do. Um, we sort of probably tread quite a thin line between uh, stretching the lads, but not snapping them and breaking them. Um, we sort of probably teeter right on that edge and push people to to maximum capacity to get the best out of them. And I think that's probably what we've had to do at Luton. Um, we don't have the biggest um, playing budget, um, but what we do have is um, really resourceful um hard-working, diligent staff behind the scenes to really push and stretch what we do. And um, I think I like to think our monitoring strategies are good and we make sure that we keep those lads in that sweet spot without sounding too jargony um, a lot of the time. Uh, and when something does go wrong, we reflect, we we try and um, improve and adapt our practice to make sure that that doesn't happen again. And yeah, I think there's nothing that stands out too much, but just be really diligent with with how we're working on a microcycle basis. Try and have a strong meso, um, and then build that into to a season long plan as well. And 
yeah, I think it's it's largely helped by the fact we have such a good group that buy into everything that we do from pre-activation to training to gym work to the coaches that listen and um, really take on board and um, listen to the information that we provide to inform our practice. So, yeah, it, it's a special place, really, to be honest, um, with, with great people that do uh, really good work, I'd like to think. And that's obviously been showcased um, on the pitch the last couple of seasons. And, yeah, hopefully, and I think we all believe that we can do it again this year and keep pushing and keep uh, evolving what we do at Luton to, to have another successful season. Just want to pick up on a word that's probably the most one of the most repeated words on the podcast, and that's the adapt being adaptable or adaptability. And you just summarised it there really nicely because some of the things you've come up against in that season, fixtures being moved, obviously COVID and all the rest of it, it just shows that the whole analogy of planning in pencil has to come into place, doesn't it? Because you can set out this plan, but then these curveballs just get thrown your way and you don't know how... You don't know that you get into the playoffs at that point either, do you? So you don't even know how long the season's going to be. So for you as a practitioner, that that the skill of being adaptable is massive, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. And I think not to say that anyone that does this is is wrong or um, it isn't good practice, but I probably don't bother with a with a large macro cycle and look at the season because, like you say, so many things can change. Um, I think probably the maximum I do is sort of probably do a a team plan um, for probably eight weeks and probably one of the largest reasons I do that is to to send that out to the lads so they can see. Yeah. Uh, I think we have a real good balance of um, sort of the understanding of the professional requirements of the job, but also that there's a, a personal side to it as well. And um, we build good relationships with people and an important aspect of that is getting a plan out there so that they can see that and, uh, plan for their families or again now we, we we've made the step up there's a there's a few more um foreign lads within the group and some of them uh utilize the opportunity to go back to to wherever they're from to see family and catch up with them and then we feel that by doing that and getting that plan out they come into the building motivated and energized and we can get um the best out of them whilst they're in the building and um help with that sort of human side of it and um yeah, drive what we do in the building by supporting them out of it. And um, that's probably the largest extent. And then I'll sit down with the performance guys, so the medical, sports science, we'll sort of formulate a plan for what we expect the next sort of four, six, eight weeks to look like. Um, but again, Premier League, Championship level, there's so many adjustments because of TV or whatever that looks like. And you're... you're if you're in a cup or whatever that may look like, things can change on a sixpence. And that's probably why I don't bother doing a really long longitudinal plan. We have, we have process and structure to our work. And like I say, we review things from uh, months gone by that are similar or um, reflect on annual plans and bits and pieces like that um, to, to tweak it and keep moving forward with what we're doing. But um, yeah, sort of, review what we're doing with the guys, go through it quite methodically and then present that to the coaching staff so everyone's on the same page with what we do. Um, again, like I said, we'll we'll do some good meetings with the lads as well and explain what the, the next sort of four, five, six weeks uh, entail and what we're going to look to do. And I think if you explain things to uh, 
to everyone from from myself to the sports science guys, sports science guys to to medical, medical to coaching staff, and then to the playing staff as well. As long as you're transparent with what you're trying to do and um, explain things and rationalize things, from my experience, people tend to to really buy into it. And um, I think that's one thing that we do really well at Luton and is valued um, from everybody um, to get the best out of of um, everyone and 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 what we do um, when we're in the building so it, it seems to work well and like I say the I'd like to think the proof's in the pudding and um yeah my time at Luton's been really successful and I'd, I'd probably say that's because of the good work that everyone does and, and the way everyone buys into a plan and um the structure that's within that plan. I know I've said this quite a few times before, but it's a really good time to become a member of our online community if you're not already a member because we've got some great content being uploaded this week alone. We've got three presentations from our recent event at Rehab for Performance in Liverpool. A presentation by Matt Konopinski on informing rehab, motion capture analysis. Also from Jack Dowling at Everton, keeping keeping Premier League players fit. And also at Everton, Jack Naylor presented on benchmarking players in the return to performance. So they'll all be available by the end of the week. And we do have more content coming very soon as well. So if you're not already a member, you need to go and check it out because these are just a few of over 100 hours of content now over on the community. There's coaches literally from all all sides of the of the world on the platform now from different leagues, different levels, different roles. So go and check it out by going to footballfitfed.com. Click the community tab, sign up there, and it'll give you a one-month free on the community. After that, it becomes a paid membership, and that also gives you access to our members' WhatsApp group as well, where there's been some brilliant discussions going on. This week has been around BFR and how different coaches are utilising BFR in their with their players and their practice, but there's always plenty of discussions going on each week. So come and join us, footballfitfed.com. Click the community tab, sign yourself up there and get access to some amazing content that we've got available on the platform. Here's part two of the podcast with Jarry Robert-Smith. Yeah, brilliant. It reminds me of a podcast I did a long time ago with Tom Little, who was at Preston at that point, and we we titled it Managing the Microcycle because his thing was all about looking at that microcycle and just adapting to what you, you know that you've got in front of you and and deal with the unknown when it pops up, basically, and that's exactly what you're saying, isn't it? Definitely. Like again, like we like not to go into too much detail, but we've really pushed the lads the last few weeks. Um, so again, like looking back at last week, we probably had a day where we'd planned to do X, Y, and Z, and we we changed that on the day. Um, just because we had some really good feedback from the lads, which we were always asked for. Um, we sat down as a as a group of staff and decided that probably the the gut feel that we had was to change change a little bit of what we were doing on that day and then we rolled out a plan we explained to the lads how it was different from what we said we were going to do and why um and everyone again bought into it because there's good rationale behind it um it was explained well to the group and um yeah like I say everyone everyone buys into it really well and um like you say it's you have to be adaptable you have to be able to uh, react to to things that go on, and and that's professional sport in a in a nutshell, really. You mentioned just before about the change in in playing squad as well. Um, so what I'm really interested to hear about that, and in terms of how you found that, and also just tying it in because 
it sounds like the culture at the club from the, the time that you've been there before and then, and then returned, because it sounds like a really strong culture going on at the club. So for then the club to get promoted to a new league and new players to come into that, how have you found that in terms of these changes that have happened this year? Yeah, again, um, I can't speak highly enough of, of the club and, and the way that things are done in terms of uh, maintenance of the environment and um, the characters that come in and the the board and um, the guy, the chief exec. And, and then what we do on a day-to-day basis from myself to the chefs to the kit men to the manager of the football club is we value our, our environment so much. Um, the culture that was in is within it. Um, I think probably one of the first things that's said to any player coming in is that we work hard. Um, we're honest. We respect each other. Uh, we expect humility. Um, if you don't like something or you don't understand something, ask a question rather than just dismiss it and, um, display that with poor body language or poor application or attitude to something. Um, and then if that does happen, we respect you. So we're going to pull you up on it and we're going to um, challenge you. And it's the same for anyone. Like if I, if I didn't like something that was going on and I didn't like, a, I, I, I displayed a negative reaction to that. I'll get pulled up on that. And, and we, we uh, hold people accountable for what they do. Um and there's a really um, strong culture that's underpinned by all the things that I just said. So, um, and I think that's been there. Um, hopefully, I've I've contributed to that through what we do in um, the sports science work and the physical and the performance side of things. But I think that's reflected by everybody in the building um, and is really upheld strongly. Um, and I think the success that's come with that um drives that even further you know it's it's sort of like a alluded to it before but like a snowball effect because people see that success comes um from those things and then they they protect that with the integrity that it, it requires so um yeah like i said like you said that i think there's been 13 14 new bodies come in the door um so it's not always an easy thing to do but what the club does is get strong character references from people that know those players and um and and it's a sort of a, a staple requirement for someone coming through the door is that they're a good person that they want to keep getting better keep improving um and then when that's backed up by the work that we do on on a day-to-day basis um and even the ones that that leave um still stay in contact with a lot of them because they're good people um and that have done fantastic things for myself and and the football club and um, the feedback we often get is that wherever they sort of go on to um, the the standards that Luton possess and the expectations, the way that we train, the way that we do things, the way that we communicate, the way that we go above and beyond um, f- from every aspect is, is sort of missed and um, sort of appreciated and cherished by them not having it anymore. So, um, yeah, I like to think that we do do some good work at the football club and um, that we can continue to do that and continue to safeguard that and and build it even further and keep evolving um, as we go up the levels. And, like yeah, like you said, there's there's some really good people that have come in over the summer that have been at big organisations and big football clubs and 
that's a an opportunity for us to learn and um get some good dialogue with them uh, we had we had a chat the other day around nutrition and recovery and i i said to those guys like you you've worked for big football clubs and big organizations like if there's something that we're not doing here that you like or something that you've done at those places um yeah we have to be mindful of the cost and the resources that that requires but what this football club has done um really well over the last few years is um if we can rationalize something with good science and good um process behind it the club will back it and invest in it and um they've done that time and time again so um th those lads communicating that with us coupled with um things like like your podcast and uh, the good things that are out there in terms of professional development from our point of view um just helps kick on the club further and um really drive what we're doing and yeah it's a it's a great place to be to be honest with with the way that it's backed and supported and then the people that come through the door it's yeah i can't i'm probably harping on about it but i can't i can't speak highly enough of um of Luton and the way that things are done really i think you've pointed out some really interesting um, aspects to that though as well, because obviously culture gets talked about a lot, but actually diving into what a culture is, is it comes back to sort of daily actions, doesn't it, and responsibility. And I love looking at other organisations, not just football clubs, businesses, other sports. And I think when you think of some of these real successful organisations, whoever it is, it comes back to a lot of stuff that you talked about in terms of honesty, transparency, being called up for your work. That sort of environment that people create leads to success somewhere down the line, doesn't it? And I think that that's obviously been highlighted with some of the things that you spoke about. Yeah, definitely. And I think, uh, um, like you say, you have to live it. You know, I think it's, um, it's one thing saying it or it's one thing putting it on a wall or pinning it up in a change room or however you do that. And I, I'm actually quite a, a big believer in some of uh, like graphics and having some of those messages around, but they're, they're, they become redundant and um, just a, a space filler if you don't believe in it and you don't drive it. And yeah, I think we're, we're fortunate enough to have a, a brand new performance center, which is a game changer for us and a, a great space to be. And we've put, we put some really informative graphics on, but it's stuff that we believe in. It's stuff that every gym session or every training session we refer to, whether that be uh, attitude and application or why we're doing that, um, that particular like strength work. So we've put things on the wall as to, okay, lads will go, why, why are we doing this exercise? Or does that apply to what we're doing outside? And we go, well, actually look on the wall. Um, that's why we're doing it. That's what we believe in. That's what we do at the football club. Um, that's what we're underpinned by in our practice. And and like I say, that could we've got things about attitude and uh, expectation when we train. We've got things about um, a like basic science behind lifting heavy or running quickly or whatever that looks like. Um, and again, I did a presentation to the lads the other week. Um, it was actually the first time. It's the middle of September, but the first time that we actually had the whole group together because the transfer window had shut. Then international break had come. Um, so it was the whole it was the first time we had the the opportunity to to get all the lads together and, and speak to them and sort of say what the expectations were and and what we do at Luton and why we do it. And um a couple of lads came up to me and said, Oh wow, like we spoke really well and um like it was really informative. And I was like, Well, it's what I live, it's what I breathe, it's what I 
it's what I do every day and I'm so passionate about it. And it's the same, it's the same for the way that we train and the way that we do gym and the way that we do activation and the way that the coaches coach and have meetings. And we've got stuff up in a meeting room that are constant messages that we'll refer to in team meetings and style of play and bits and pieces like that. So like you say, I think culture is really important, but if you don't, sort of live and breathe it and really believe in it then it can become a little bit fluffy and it can become um probably not as uh valuable as it is it is it, it can be as if as if you really believe in it and really um go about your business on a day-to-day basis with with that underpinning what you do if that makes sense yeah it does definitely i think less is more with it as well isn't it like rather than plastering quotes everywhere and players not really understanding what you mean by it, like having things like you say that really mean something and apply it to your practice. That's massive. Yeah. Um, Jared, I don't want to keep you all night because I know, I know it's going to be a busy time for you at the minute. So I want to just move on to some of the quick fire questions just to wrap the podcast up. Yeah, of course. So first one being, who've been some of the biggest influences on your career so far? I think it would have to, uh, mainly be uh, Lawrence Bloom, um, who's now head of sports science at Cambridge. Um, he gave me my opportunity um, in the game from a from a sports science point of view and sort of uh, moulded me and um, sort of gave me those foundational aspects to, to my practice. And more than anything, is just the top, top guy and um, the way that he looked after me and the way that he supported me. And he still does now. We still speak all the time, still speak really regularly about what we're doing and how we do things. And um, yeah, he's such, he was at Wembley. He came and watched the game in his off season. So like the support he's given me has been unbelievable. And he's got an unbelievable track record of helping people progress into the game. So Josh Hornby, who's at Charlton, worked with us. Chris McConnell, who's at, Wimbledon um, worked with us and um, yeah, he's just a top guy. And then from a football, more football point of view, probably the three key managers I've worked under, Chris Powell gave me the opportunity at Charlton alongside Bloomy and it was a really uh, fruitful time under him. Then I met Nathan Jones there who um, was taking me to Luton, to Stoke, back to Luton. He's done some amazing work um, for Luton and for myself. Um and has supported me. And then Rob is obviously at Luton now and has been um, massive for me. He's supported me. He's given me the progression um, both to the Premier League as, as a as a manager and then as a uh, head of performance as a practitioner. So he's really supported me. And then, yeah, like the board at Luton, um, unbelievable. And, and the support they give you and the, the scope they uh, give you to do your job properly and have autonomy in it and then support it with infrastructure and resources has been unbelievable. So yeah, some, some really great people that have helped me um, get to the level that I am today. What would you say your biggest strength is as a practitioner? Um, it's a hard one to say because uh, you don't want to seem to be um, ignorant or arrogant, but I'd probably say, just the way I'm able to sort of foster relationships. I think the feedback from probably the people that I spoke about prior is um, they've probably worked with a lot of people that have real in-depth knowledge and um, a real understanding for sports science and um, 
what it takes to to make someone fit or strong underpinned by literature or research or evidence-based practice but I think what I'm good at is um, generating and fostering relationships getting to know the players and the athletes that you work with as people um, so you're more relatable and then you have that relationship and people want to work hard for you they want to uh, buy into what you want to do you're open so if they question things you you can have a good chat with them if you make a mistake you can be open and say maybe I didn't do that so well and um, show that you're still learning and that you're um, culpable to make a mistake and show a bit more of that human side um, and that, I think that that really generates and fosters relationships and then things snowball from there and you get close, people don't want to let you down, you don't want to let them down, you push each other, you drive each other, and that makes your practice um, even more in-depth. And then, yeah, you, you, and I think maybe show an example, like show that you're willing to go above and beyond for them, show like whether that's a, a text late at night or a call to check that they're okay or if there's something going on outside of the building, um, check in on them and, show that you care and then I don't know if if there's an aspect of training that you can dip in on whether that be in the gym or a bit of running outside or whatever that looks like you can push them and show that you're willing to go above and beyond for them to to get the best for them and um, I'd probably say that's one of my biggest strengths. Yeah brilliant I think that accountability piece is really important that you just mentioned so yeah no, that's top. Jared, in terms of advice to yourself, if you were to speak to Jared when he just come out of university, newly qualified, stepping into the first role, what would be your top bit of career advice? I think it it would be quite simple, and it'd be be a good person, um, work hard, um, try and stay humble with what you do, um, and yeah, there'll be good times, there'll be ups, um, but you'll probably get tested the most in your in your down times and and those tough moments. But like I touched on earlier, um, be resilient, be durable to that, um, believe in yourself and that the work that you do and that those good times will swing back round. Um and I'm a big believer of like sounds a bit cliche, but hard work pays off and um I've probably dedicated a large percentage of my life over the last 11 years to to get where I've I've got to now and that comes with massive sacrifice and yeah just working hard and and being a good person and trying to um do things to the best of your ability whilst um developing good relationships and uh respecting people whether that like I touched on earlier um I have a really good relationship with the kitchen porter at work like we've got a, a handshake and I value him I've I've dropped him home after work. Um, I've brought him in at times and I'd do that for, for anyone at the football club because um, I think it's important to to really value people um, and those relationships. And when you do that, um, they often are willing to work really hard for you and repay that. So, um, yeah, I think work hard, be a good person um, and, and stick to your beliefs and be strong in, in what you do. Brilliant. Final one, mate. It's funny because we spoke about this before we hit record. In terms of CPD, continued development as a practitioner, especially when you cut down your commuting time, what's your what's your approach to that? Yeah, it's tough. Um, we, like, like you say, we were saying, I, I used to travel in from Southend to Luton every day, which was 
on the dreaded M25 and can take up to three hours. <laughs> I'd have the opportunity to listen to three hour long podcasts and, and bits and pieces like that. But I don't have the opportunity to do that now. I've moved a little bit closer, um, which has been great for me um, from a, from a personal point of view, but um, probably very similar to everyone else. Um, try and jump on your podcast, listen to the, the great stuff that you provide. Um I like Sportsmith. I think the uh, stuff that Rob's doing and providing um, some of those articles and the literature and the research behind it is has been really pivotal to some of the stuff that we've done. And, and then um, I'm fortunate enough to work with some really good guys in our department that are, are young and hungry and, and bring some really good ideas to the table and some good discussion topics. So um, that that's a really good avenue for me to keep pushing. Probably... Again, you've got to be careful with, with what you look at and what you decide to to take on board. But the standard stuff around Twitter and um, Instagram, the good social media accounts that are out there, I, I find are, are fruitful as long as you're um, critical with, with what you look at and sort of the, the science behind it. Uh, and then, like I, I touched on as well, players. Like, players for me are so key. Like, probably if, if you're 26, 27-year-old player, he's probably worked with five, six, seven good practitioners for his time. So lean on them. Um listen to the the things that they've got to say as well because they've they're experienced um individuals that have, have done some good work with some good people um most of the time. So yeah, I think as long as you're open minded, um again, stay strong to your beliefs in what you do, but there's there's loads of good things out there. And and yeah, probably to summarise podcasts, um, sportsmith um Twitter, social media, and then the lads and whether that be staff or or players. Brilliant, mate. I think it's been some really good information in there. So I really appreciate you diving into all that. It's been good to have a proper catch-up as well. So I appreciate you coming on. Just wrap us up, mate. If people have got questions or you just want to direct them somewhere just to to catch up, where would you say? I'm probably gonna negate what I just said about Twitter and stuff, and maybe, <laughs> maybe even show my, maybe even show my age a little bit. And I've, I've gone away from that a little bit the last couple of years, and trying to follow um, what we tell the lads and get off the blue light in the evening and bits and pieces like that. But probably LinkedIn now is is the, yeah. I think. If I I'd think say, it's making a comeback, LinkedIn. Uh, I think, I think if um, if I'd said that, probably going back to the first time, I've been like, oh, like what's he doing on LinkedIn? Like, um, he must be old and, and boring and, and <laughs> Twitter. But um, yeah, I think that's, that's the way it's going a little bit now. And I agree with you. I think he's making a bit of a bounce back, but it's one now that I probably spend a bit of time on when I get the opportunity to look, look out there. And I think there's some good stuff out there. So um, yeah, I'd, I'd probably say that's the best one to, to reach out on. Brilliant, mate. Well, I've loved watching the uh, the start of the season so far with Luton in the Premier League. It's been amazing, but I wish you all the best for the rest of the season as well. Thank you, mate. I appreciate it. And, and like I said at the beginning, thanks for having me back on. I think um, I'm within, within a select few that have been uh, lucky enough to be on it twice. So I really appreciate the opportunity to come on and speak about like the last couple of years. So, yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. We'll get you that hat-trick ball soon. Yeah, nice one. <laughs> thank you to Jared for coming back on the podcast it's been far too long since we did that last episode so I really appreciate him coming on I'm sure there's plenty we could have gone into as well but 
I feel like we, we had quite a nice range and a bit of a catch-up on what's been going on at the club. Obviously, a really exciting time. Catching them at the start of the Premier League campaign as well. We're only a few games in. Go and connect with Jared over on LinkedIn, like he mentioned. So just search his name, Jared Robert Smith, over on LinkedIn and drop him a request to connect over on there. You can also check out his Twitter, JRS underscore performance over on Twitter. Um, takeaways from this one. I think the first one for me was getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. It's obviously something that he learned going and having the role at Stoke. Um, things didn't go quite according to plan, but I think a lot of people will be able to resonate with that and there's a lot of lessons which he's obviously alluded to in the podcast that he's taken forward into his practice from now so any experiences that you are having that aren't exactly how you expect them to go I think there's always lessons to be learned from that and it's definitely something to take from this chat with with Jared as well resilience and belief two words that he used in terms of um, things that he took from that experience something that coaches need both resilience and belief but also the he mentioned about people questioning you questioning your practice and there is that fine line between analyzing your practice um, questioning yourself thinking of being innovative in the role and possibly putting changes in place new things in place but at the same time having a strong philosophy as well and when you do get questions on things, having a rationale behind things and being able to stand up for your program too. And I think some of that does come with experience, which is kind of what we spoke about in the episode as well. Um, so yeah, that there's some of the key takeaways. I think in terms of the Premier League, he mentioned players just being so sharp, which we know like that is the difference in quality up to Premier League level. Um, but that sharpness and that's something that James alluded to as well in the episode that we did with him and then another note that I made was when he was talking about the strong culture at the club that some of it came down to body language and if someone didn't agree with something or they needed a discussion with someone it stands out that people show poor body language and poor reactions to things that aren't potentially going the way they thought it should go and I think that's definitely something to take away. Um, there's, a, there's a way of going about having a disagreement with someone, coming to a resolution um, and sort of having a bit of a strop and throwing a bit of a paddy and showing poor body language. I think we've probably all been caught up in that at some, some point. I know I certainly have, but I don't think it really gets us anywhere. And it's definitely somewhere something to be taken forward. It can be hard in the heat of the moment as well when ego's involved and all the rest of it and emotions. But I definitely think that is a key point to take away and something great to have at a club if that does that isn't the norm and it stands out. So they're the takeaways for me. I hope you enjoyed this one. I feel like we've had a real strong lineup of speakers recently. So I really appreciate everyone that's listened to the recent episodes. Um, and please go back, give them a share, give them another listen as well because there's so much great information in these in these last few episodes. I feel like the guests have absolutely stepped up and um, yeah we've had some great conversations which I've really enjoyed and I hope you have too just finally make sure to go and check out our sponsors Hytro The Good Prep and also Rezzle go and give them a follow on socials and if you've not done it already we're over 100 reviews now on Spotify which I really appreciate but if you are listening on, on Spotify just scroll up to the podcast and click the five stars that would be a massive help for us 
And if you're listening on iTunes, I really would appreciate trying to get over 100 reviews. We've been trying it for a little while now. So click the five stars, leave us a short comment. And what I will do is over the next few podcasts, if people can leave a comment, I'll read them out on the podcast and I might even send you something as well as a little thank you too. So um, again, huge thank you for listening and for your support. And I will speak to you again next week in episode 258.